Hello. Okay. Hello. Welcome back to another episode of Yum Cha Time. Stop laughing at me. I don't want to have to take another take of this. Okay. Wait, okay, my bad. Okay, okay. Today we're joined by two guests. Um, oh wait, I forgot to introduce myself. I always forget. <laughs> um, I'm your host, Vanessa. And today I have two guests from UMass Amherst. And uh, you guys can introduce yourselves with year, major, um, anything else you want to say. Okay. Yeah, so my name is Yanis. I am a senior comp sci and econ or computer science and economics major at UMass Amherst. And yeah, we're all from the same hometown. So that's why we know each other. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Henry, and I'm also from UMass Amherst, studying computer science um, and mathematics, computational mathematics, to be exact. And yeah, same hometown. We're, we're considered co-workers for a while now. Um, Wait, so your brother yeah. is, is following your footsteps by doing the same thing? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> why? Wait, you just realized that? I, I thought he was just doing CS. I didn't know it was computational math. Um, well, it depends on what math he wants to do. I don't know if he wants to do computational math. No, I meant but, you. Um, I'm doing computational math. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I tried that route and I hated it, so. <laughs> um, okay. So today we're going to talk about life after <laughs> senior year of college, which is a little scary, but it's whatever. I mean, I'm not going to go through it until like years later, but these two have to um, think about it really soon. And just general life at a state school, because I don't, I think you're our first guests that are going to a state school. <laughs> oh, also first guests that are male. So it's not just only female on this podcast. Diversity. Uh, okay, what about we would start with how you got into tech and why you chose CS rather than any other major? I can uh, I start. Yeah, yes, I'll let you start. Okay. For me, like, I grew up liking playing around with computers. I'm not a, like, computer gamer, but I liked exploring technologies. Uh, I was introduced to, like, computers, I think, around, like, second or third grade by my mom. And since I have a lot of cousins in Europe, uh, one thing that, like, she taught me was, like, email. It was, like, really... Fun. I just got to email my cousins in Europe. It's like, uh, I, I guess it's like weird saying it out loud, but that's like my start, uh, like getting into like computers. And then as I grew older, I guess because my grandparents' generation, like, isn't too good with technologies, I was just always asked to like, oh, can you set up the TV? Can you set up this and that? And I'm like, oh sure. And it like wasn't too bad. And then I kept on like like doing that and i also like found it like really interesting just like mess around with like different software um so like i i'd be the guy to like customize like all the icons and like do like random like windows customizations and like just be carrying around like usb sticks and people are like wow nerd but uh that's how i got into like tech uh and when i was deciding like majors 
So for better or for worse, I was good at a lot of different things, but like one thing that is uh unfortunate reality is like you do need to find a job and CS is that path for me hopefully. So something I was interested in and something that can help me find a job. Wow. Yeah, it's very similar roots. <laughs> um so for me, it started later, not too late but like around third grade um i was getting a, i was given a computer from my aunt um to just pretty much go online um watch videos and stuff since um i don't know there wasn't much things to do when i was a kid because i didn't have games and i didn't go outside to play grounds and stuff so uh the inside world in your house was pretty much just youtube uh not youtube i wasn't sure if i watched youtube back then but video streaming Google searching, stuff like that in third grade. Um, so, and then the next milestone will probably be around fifth grade when I first got my desktop computer. Um, it wasn't really that expensive. It was mostly being Asian. My parents bought it for um, really cheap and um, it was mostly for uh, school academics and stuff like that. And at the same time, I was introduced to computer games. Um, back then it was Crossfire, which is similar to Counter-Strike uh, for the people in the gaming world. Um, started that journey, and then I always wanted to kind of not play game, not be a gamer for as a professional, but um, kind of do it as a hobby. And one, you can't really play games when you have crap computers. So I delve into that hardware aspects of computers, um, getting to learn about computer components and upgrading my um, video card, stuff like that building my own computer, custom computer around seventh grade, I want to say. And then um, in high school, eighth grade and high school was really the point where people are like, hey, we need to major in college. What's your future like? And then um, computer building kind of turned into a career aspect, future career aspect, where I had to pick kind of something related to computer because I like it so much. And that narrowed it down to computer uh, CS, which is computer science, computer engineering, and one more. Uh, oh, computer uh, computer engineering, CS, and some other thing I forget. But anyways, I was oh and IT yes, and then um, computer engineering. Didn't like engineering because of physics. I I was pretty bad at it, and then um, IT didn't make a lot of money from there, so. I chose yes. <laughs> that's that's how that's how my college career. Wait, but like along. the the tech job at school is is basically IT. Yeah, um, I I like it a lot. Well, the thing is, um, the thing was for me, um, I grew up in a family where we owned a business, so I had to, I couldn't work outside of family area, um, so, and my parents couldn't drive me around to drop me off in the workplace and stuff. So um, I um, I chose IT at the school because that was kind of like my getaway of working outside of my family business. And then um, also I was kind of seeing the school technology infrastructure kind of crippling apart. <laughs> so I was just kind of volunteering and helping out and then it became a job, a summer job and then turned into like a seasonal job. Okay. So yeah. I guess that's a 
great transition into <laughs> some. I wonder if we should spill the tea. No, I'm just kidding. We're not gonna spill any tea. <laughs> or I could spill the tea and just edit it out. But um, uh, so basically, I've talked about it on this podcast before, where I work at the high school, um, as a tech intern, and you know, the, our guests today they also work there as well, and they worked there like the same amount of no, long a little bit longer than I did. Um, so they're ba- so they're both my seniors um, at the at the school uh, for the internship, and um, a lot of stuff happens. Um, uh, some like good stuff, some bad stuff, and it's very no, that's not very specific. But uh, I would say that it's I I deal with a lot more customer service than I wanted to, and it's. It's not what exactly I signed up for, but uh, I get paid. So, yeah. So while you guys talk about your experience and what you like about it, what you don't like about it, and I'm pretty sure Rebecca's not listening to this, so that's okay. <laughs> so I, I, I can start again, I guess. Um, for context, our school district, there's about 6,000 students, 1,000 teachers, and like staff. And there's also 10 technicians, roughly, a bit less than that, plus like the interns. So there's about 10 of us and 7,000 people that we need to help. And because of COVID, everyone needs a working computer, either in school or outside of school. So that's like the context coming in. Uh, so my internship started like the second half of my senior year uh, when in high school so that was like four years ago december 2016 uh back in the pre-covid days but so what i did then uh it was really the beginning of the switch to chromebooks so prior to chromebooks a lot of school districts uh if you had the money you'd buy like iMacs and uh like ipads if you didn't have the money you'd buy uh windows netbooks but those windows netbooks since they had to be hooked up to the domain to like a yeah like a school-wide network those ended up being really slow and but for better or for worse google came up with this product they put chrome on these netbooks basically and they called it a chromebook and that's a really big thing in educational spaces so i was that first year i, I just unboxed and enrolled chromebooks then i like uh, there, there are these things called tech tug, which are basically like storage boxes with chargers for the Chromebooks. And I, my primary job that first like six months was just to enroll, or um, get the Chromebooks onto our school network, and then put them in the box so that the boxes can be put in classrooms across the district. Um, that was interesting. Like I didn't mind it since it was just like in my view it was like relatively easy money and it wasn't like too challenging i just like after school i didn't have to leave the high school i could just like go to the tech office and do it um and then the internship transition so during the summer there was like more work um ended up doing this thing called imaging uh, so for Windows computers, uh, especially when you have computer labs, if you guys remember those for 
like high school, middle school, elementary school, they all need to be at the same like state basically. They all need to have like the same software so that like uh, if you have like two students, they should be able to do the same thing. And then we also like want like teachers to be able to like monitor that stuff. So that was a process. We that was the first year we tried to get every computer to like Windows 10 uh, from like Windows 7. But unfortunately, that didn't work out too well. And I think after we uh, went back to or we went to school, uh, after I went to like college my freshman year, they had to like switch everything back to Windows 7 temporarily. So that was like the first year. But so since then, I've kind of been coming back, uh, helping with enrolling the Chromebooks and the Windows machines. But I've also, I guess my specialty has been fixing the Chromebooks. So unfortunately, within a public school district, we do have a lot of students who do not care about school property, to put it nicely. Um, I, I was not one of them, but there are a lot of these students. Like, if you think about it, even if 1% of the students don't care about the school property, and if you have like 6,000 students, that's still like, what, uh, 60, right? Yeah, 60 students and 60 broken Chromebooks. So I can tell you there's more than 1% of students who don't care about school property. And I, I guess that has been my primary focus before COVID and still is. I am currently in the process of like fixing about 50 Chromebooks. So yeah, that's what I do in the tech internship. You basically just said everything that what henry does probably too but what do you want to add henry um i mean a lot of stuff that yannis and i do are a lot are really similar um but i started before yannis you can talk about the ahead of him you can talk about the tickets too oh oh god Um, on my end yeah um so uh my my uh my career kind of started sort of the opposite of the end. It's not really complete opposite, but I started off with imaging first. Um, and then I went to Chromebooks because uh, we, we when, I, when I started, we still had to use Netflix, which is like a laptop, but we're talking about like 10 inch, th- uh, not 10 inch thick, but 10 inch screen with like an inch and a half thick computer, which is pretty gross and really hard to work with. Uh, so I did, I did that. Um, I did a, a lot of repairs for that first, and then I did imaging. And then that kind of started. So like directly a, a year ahead of Yanis, I started that with repairs and stuff. And then the summertime led into a summer job where I was pretty much working full time, um, visiting different schools in our district, um, imaging the computer labs, doing stuff like that. And then that kind of started, that, that kind of lasted the whole summer, essentially. And that was kind of like following the t- technology, um, the technicians out there. Um, back then, there's only like, five, six technicians compared to now, which has 10. Um, that lasted a whole year. Uh, sorry, last uh, a whole summer. Then the school year started, and then we started getting these Chromebooks, which Yanis kind of talked about. So we had to do the enrolling. We had to build these tubs out to deploy. And then um, we started doing repairs the following summer where things got crazy um, because people think technology is cool and to break technology is a fun thing to do, I guess. Um, so yeah, we uh that was kind of handed off to Yanis to do for repairs. Um, I got I got a glimpse of it, but doing that the previous summer, I was like, mm, heck no, that's not happening for me. 
Um, that kind of led Yanis and I to having credentials uh, as a staff for the school because um, we kind of graduated, so we don't have any school credentials anymore. Um, so we got that. That also led us to have a account for help desk, which is essentially it's a ticketing system where teachers put in tickets for any technical needs that they um, are experiencing with, and then we pick up the tickets and do them. Um, that kind of went for the summer, the following summer, where we had credentials, so we would just pick up tickets, do as much as we can, and then um, do as many of the technology tickets that we can, and then let our full-time technicians know where we left off, and then voila, we head out to college <laughs> um, until winter time when we come back um, around. It's like a week before this uh, winter break, or maybe after after December break, and we will come back for like three weeks, um, just because we're college students, we're kind of broke, we need money. What better way to do it than to contact your manager and be like, hey, can you hire us back for three weeks? Um, and during that time, pretty much from there on out, uh, we've been doing help desk tickets. Yanis um, has been doing a lot of the Chromebook repairs. And then um, 2020 happened, COVID hit, and then um, people moved online. Um, so online schooling. So then we, this season, we we're able to kind of pretty much navigate kind of the full-time student role of studying and testing and academics and then working out as well part-time. Yeah, that's the gist of five years of what happened in our life. Um, oh, one thing I forgot to add was, I think after, so Yanis came along, we had another coworker um, who was also a Northeastern student, Zia came along, and then we started recruiting students. So then Vanessa came along and some other people. And then we just kind of built a, like a rotational yearly uh, internship program into our high school with technology, which is pretty cool too. I think we can also, I can also add a couple more things. Like, because we are the interns, there are some tasks that the full-timers don't want to do that that, that gets delegated to us. So For example? Part of the labs is that, again, students don't take care of school property and they're not that clean. So one of the summer jobs is to clean the labs, get a air compressor, blow out the dust, vacuum, wipe everything down. Um, that's a challenging task, but it, it takes the whole day, so I'm not too and mad about it. Task. <laughs> um, yeah. Can I add something as well? So um, every year, the, the, the custodian, so like every year, uh, the school kind of has a maintenance routine over the summer, so each computer lab has to be taken apart by the custodial staff. And then they have to wax the floor and then they have to put it right back together, right? But the issue of that is they don't put it in the right order of tables and design and stuff. So at the end of summer, when we walk into computer labs, it's a hot mess in there. And not only do we have to clean it, but we also like have to do the rewiring and all that stuff. And then the network patching, it's, uh, it's not fun. Those labs are crazy. I, didn't I guess know another that happened. I thought um, they would like put everything back the way it is. Nope. They, they um, tried they to, but. <laughs> yeah, they tried to, but I think since they don't know exactly where things went, they just put them where they thought it went, which isn't always correct. But I think another thing 
for me and Henry being the oldest interns. We've actually been here longer than most of the full timers. Is the I guess like tra <laughs> training and teaching the other interns and some of the full timers actually. So I had the opportunity to like show how to repair the Chromebooks and like do uh, RMAs, return to manufacturers. Uh, uh, just some of the full timers, and I also had the chance to explain to Vanessa how to like take it apart and put back a Chromebook. So I don't remember. I guess but... part of <laughs> part part of it is like the educational aspect of uh, trading the future interns. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I can just say like from my experience and in the internships and just working in general, like. It takes time for new employees to understand what's going on. Um, it doesn't help if you're only there for a few hours each week and you have to like continually uh, tell uh, someone else like what's going on. Uh, so that was an issue, but I think that has been more resolved lately. Yeah. Yep. This summer was definitely a better summer compared to previous summers. I think the the fact that we use Slack is a lot more helpful. Are you on Slack? Wait, no, I meant like for us. Ah, yes. Because here's the thing, like I think the the problem that I all like what I think Yanis addressed is that there's always like this miscommunication between interns. Because I would be working on let's say Monday and there's but I didn't finish my task, for example. I didn't finish repairing this Chromebook. And I, all I had to do was like XYZ. So then I would pass it off to whoever's working on like Tuesday. But I would have to write it on a sticky note. And then sometimes they might not even, like, realize that there's, that it's already been worked on. And then they just have to, like, do the, do the rest. So yep. it's, it's that communication. And especially if you can't, if you don't actually personally know them, then it's a little harder. So that's why I thought, like, the Slack for interns was a good way to just spread the word and be like, hey, I did this and I am leaving today. So if anybody wants to finish it tomorrow. Yeah, um, and we tr we tried um, Google Classroom and what was it Excel or like Google Sheets, but it was just horrible. I no one ever remembered is... using Google Sheets because no one used it. Like we were like, "Hey, use this Google Sheet to load uh, to log your work stuff," and then ha barely half the people ever used it. Yeah, I would concur right. with that statement. yeah okay um i think i think we talked enough about vhs <laughs> <laughs> um so in addition to this internship you guys also did other ones this past summer um i think henry worked at optum and yanis yes. worked at salesforce uh, no, i worked at boya oh boya doing salesforce okay 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 so what was what was that like and what was your what was your actual position and then what was that experience like yeah so actually my, i was able to find an internship after my sophomore year in college and i was a salesforce developer intern so for those of you who don't know what salesforce is uh when you think of like what a business is you you think of like you're going to a business and you're like buying something from them right but 
so that would be considered a B to C model, a business to consumer model. Like when you walk into Staples or when you walk into Best Buy and buy a computer, that's B to C. But businesses also do business with each other, right? So say like you, like, uh, like you can think of uh, the infrastructure that, I don't know, like Best Buy uses, they might buy like a bunch of computers from Apple or from Dell. So that'd be a business to business uh, model, a B to B. And so Salesforce helps companies work and manage their B2B transactions and also their B2C transactions. But the team that I was on primarily focused on B2B. Uh, so my job was, uh, I guess I can say it was not too interesting, but it was experience. And I, the thing that I primarily did was I wrote unit tests. So if you guys ever have written code and you're like, why is my code broken? So the solution is you can write more code to test your code to see if it's working or not. And that's called a unit test. Basically, say you have a calculator that's supposed to add two numbers, A and B. So writing a unit test would be making sure that one plus one is two, two plus two is four, three plus three is six, and all that stuff. But you're writing that for like a program that already exists. So my experience with that is that since a lot of the previous code was written by people that were no longer at the company and it was like subcontracted out to foreign workers it was kind of hard to like go through the code because first in order to write the test you have to understand what's going on in the code right and then in order to understand what's going on so yeah so in order to understand what's going on in the code you have to first understand what the code is doing and that would just require reading the existing code and the existing tests and seeing how you could improve it the reason why i did that was because um salesforce so they have a lot of like pre-built like b2b b2c like things but each company can customize salesforce with writing additional code on top of it to make it work for their company so say you have a uh so voya is a retirement bank so they were wanted to connect Salesforce to their retirement bank accounts. And so like you could write additional features to have like bank account numbers, routing numbers, and like all that things. The, the coding language is called Apex, which is like a unique to Salesforce. It's basically just Java with SQL built in and it's run from the cloud, which is why a lot of companies use it. Um, and the field that Salesforce is is called CRM or Customer Relational Management, and Salesforce is like the leader in that. So like there are a lot of jobs in Salesforce development, but it might not be like the most interesting for a lot of people. Um, yeah, I can. So I did that like my first summer there, and I was fortunate enough to like get rehired uh, during COVID because it was like up in the air. A lot of internships. I know for people who got like, re oh, what's the word? Retracted. Presented. Presented, yes. So I was just fortunate to be able to like go back. The first summer I worked in person, but this summer I just worked at home. So yeah, that was my experience. I definitely like learned a lot, uh, just like from looking at code that would go into production for a company.
Um, so yeah, I actually worked at Austin this summer, um, uh, and unlike Yanis, who had found an internship his sophomore year, I didn't find one until junior year. And Optum is a, you know, it's a, it's a company, it's like a sub-company, subsidiary, I think is what it's called, of uh, the Health Group, which is a massive company in, in, uh, in America regarding um, healthcare and stuff like that. So at Optum, um, they have an office in Boston, and I was planning on, you know, working there in the office, not remotely, and then COVID happened, and we were sent home, essentially, to work from home. Um, and in Optum... So it was a 10-week internship, but it got cut down to eight weeks. But I was able to get it extended to back to 10 weeks because why not? Money and experience, right? Um, at And at um, Optum, I was part of the group called Customer Strate Strategic Initiative, CSI. And what that group does is essentially it, it's a, it checks how, um, I guess, strategies to retain customers and stuff like that and one thing that i was doing was essentially um minimizing the cost um of you know having people experts look at um healthcare plans and whatnot so um that was part of my group's project um it was it kind of started in 2019 um and so the full-time team essentially did the ml stuff and um the intern team did a lot of the delivery stuff. So what it entails essentially, you know, you have models built out for um, policies, uh, insurance policies and stuff like that. And then you check if the, if the plan configuration of any insurance stuff is um, accurately depicted from what the customer chose to buy. Um, it's a big idea if you don't know about insurance or healthcare. Um, so a lot of what my team does is it takes in data, it essentially delivers it to ML model, and then it takes the ML model and what it detects from the ML machine and spits it right back out into a dashboard. That's what my intern group did, essentially. <laughs> um, it's gonna take forever if I explain if I explain it any deeper. That's fine, it's okay. We don't, I guess, uh, I don't think anyone needs to know uh, every single detail, so yeah. that's fine, but Maybe I don't even know how to transition this. Whatever. Um, how, how, how has your internship, uh, made you think about full time work after graduating? And then, how did that? How did also, you know, studying at UMass also think about like, grad school? If you ever thought about it. So, I can tell you that CS is very competitive, and. I can explain just based off of the hourly rates. Mm. In CS, $20 per hour is considered low. So just to put <laughs> that out there. Um, so the range generally for like CS internships goes from $20 to like $80. Uh, for the big, the FANG companies, um, what's it, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Amazon. Google, well, Netflix doesn't really hire interns, but we just still like say fang like the companies that you've heard of, they pay like thirty to forty an hour, and if you're returning, like you get slightly more, right? And those like have like really nice benefits, like cafeterias, like free foods, and like all that stuff. But even more selective are these private like equity banks or like private banks that only hire from Ivy's, like Jane Street, or 
kind of Robin Hood, not not yeah, like kind of like the fintech space. They pay eighty an hour. So if you think about just like what people are making, and how many people are making that, it is really competitive. Uh, unfortunately for CS, uh, we do have these things called coding exams and like technical interviews. So basically, instead of or in in addition to having like a behavioral interview, which like most jobs are like, oh, do you take drugs? No, um, they 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 have a thing that tests your ability to code and your ability to think. And some of these exams, um, or e- each company basically has their own exam if they have it. You like have to like uh, solve this question doing an algorithm, uh, and you have like a time limit, and if you do well then they'll like push you to the next round where you have to do an even harder one so like if you want to work at amazon or google you're gonna have to do like 10 of these and and that's only for like one of the companies right there's no standardized exam like for accounting it's like the mpa or for like law school uh, or getting a law degree or excuse me like practicing law it's like the bar exam right there, there's no like standard procedure for every company every company has their own like coding exam coding interviews so i i know like a lot of my friends and henry's friends you literally after class you just apply to i'd say like 50 to 300 jobs do the 30 coding interviews and then hope that one of these companies thinks that you're deserving and, and you're competing against everyone else who's taking cs at umass and the northeastern and then every other college because everyone wants to get paid 50 an hour, right? But not everyone can make it. So that's like um, how competitive it is. But my perspective is like my focus in life isn't just to make money. Like it would be nice to have a decent salary coming out of college. It'd be nice to have uh, like a good career, like an upper trajectory but I don't think it's the end all be all for me. Um, so I'm not too stressed, but I do know like some of our friends are like really concentrated, concentrating in it. And uh, I guess Henry can share a bit more too, but it is worth it. Like our, like from the offers that some of our friends have been getting, it's from like 70 to hundred K all across the country. And depending on where you live, that's worth even more. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Um, moving forward with what Ian has kind of said, um, it's funny because the career center that we have, you know, UMass Amherst, we kind of divide up into different colleges, and CS is a college of its own with its own career center. Uh, and they were like, "Hey, you should you should focus on applying to the ones that you will actually take an offer of." But like, a lot of the times, you you know, you can't you can't really pick what you want. You got to you got to uh, you got to play the gamble and put in 100, 200% of your effort and then um, hopefully they pick you. And uh, I've been lucky because I don't do a lot of the coding um, practices that all the, our friends, Ian and I, um, because I don't know, I just don't have time for that. Um, but a lot of people do spend a lot of time practicing coding exams online simply because they want to land that dream job at a FANG or at a uh, FinTech company that pays a lot more. Um, and it's really competitive out there. Um, thankfully, you know, UMass is, is ranked top in one of the graduate programs for RCS. So, you know, there have been rec- college recruiters that come to our campus um, from the big four, five um, 
and recruit. So we've had African uh, candidates who go there, but you know, the chance of you getting in there is kind of slim. Not saying it's impossible. You just gotta keep trying. Um, and similar to what Yanis' goal is, is you know, CS already makes enough money um, just to study CS and to be a programmer out there. Um, so uh, in terms of full time aspects. Um, it'll be cool one day to work at with one of those big um, fintech companies or Fang, but um, starting off for me, you know, as long as I have above average income um, with where I live and for the CS group, it's fine. Um, and a lot of the people, well, a lot of the companies have kind of switched from junior engineers to kind of like a first year program um, kind of thing where they call it like early careers or they call it like technology development program. Just, I don't want to say they want to pay less for the software engineers out there, but um, it's a year of getting to know the company as a developer. And um, and then you kind of, kind of also for the company to know your knowledge base and what you're capable of doing before they move you onto a full development team and give you a full title of senior developer or just software developer itself. Um, I yeah, I can also add that like if you're getting paid like forty to fifty an hour, you're working that amount of time. So like you're not getting paid forty or fifty an hour and having a forty hour work week. You're probably gonna have a sixty hour work week. So there's also like the idea of like rest and like stress and like how much time you want to devote like working. And for me. I personally haven't done too many coding tests. I've maybe done like five. Like I haven't like really, really tried uh, to get like a, a top job, but I think like the effort I've put in has been good enough for me for now. For other people, I understand like they may have a different perspective, but yeah. Um. Yeah, just going off of that. Um. So from this summer internship from Optum, they do have a team called Delta, which is essentially anything that breaks, they're in charge of it. So it's kind of like senior to senior because you're on call, I don't want to say you're on call 24 seven, but you're essentially the person, you're the person in, first in line if something goes down. And, you know, working at a FANG, you're working with a lot of the, the new technology that it could break. And you just got to be prepared to like wake up at night uh, from your nap or something, and you gotta start working and trying to get that code fixed because uh, if, if Google some, if something at like Google breaks down, uh, people will go on a riot because everyone uses Google a lot. Kind of that kind of ideology. Yeah, I would add for like Boya since it is a retirement bank, we try not to break things, and that <laughs> that does mean like development is slower than if than Amazon, where like they literally do like code updates like every day. Like, we try to do, like, monthly and, like, quarterly releases. So, for, like, some people, that might be too slow. But also, it is, like, just trying to be, like, a stable financial institution because there are a bunch of laws that you have to comply with. And uh, there is, like, an expect higher degree of expectation. Higher degree of expectation. Higher degree of, uh, sorry, higher expectation of, like, privacy and, like, customer response. Be yourself when you're finding a full-time job. Don't don't worry about the income where you're working at. Does what we say scare you? 
<laughs> actually, no, this is the, I think this is probably the first episode where I actually learn a lot more than I expected because every single episode so far, I've already, I already know about, um, like I already discussed with the other person what I'm going to say and what they're going to say. So then it's just kind of us repeating ourselves and um, it's more. Do it for and, the camera. Like, today, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and today it's, uh, it, it does scare me, but I, don't, I mean, I was already scared to begin with, so it's okay. Um, <laughs> I think. But you didn't know back for finances. <laughs> I think uh, one thing that you talked about was they have to always do like these coding exams and like for example i think i think the most popular is like we code right or something um yep. i haven't heard um about other websites but i know like we code is a very popular one that you can just uh do like quick uh coding practices and i think what what have you learned from your classes and or i guess how much have you learned from your classes and how much do they apply to your internships and um, in the real world because I feel like if you really did learn a lot from you know from your classes and they taught you well enough then maybe you didn't have to go through so much of your um, own self-taught exams and whatnot I think the thing about like classes in general is that they tend to go more into the theory side um, and like internships is more of like the real world side of like how this theory is used for example i think the thing the things that i learned from my classes are like just how to code like what's good practice and like i have these assignments and i have these deadlines that force me to use a language in a way that i haven't done before and that like uh, like it, it is a lot of like self-learning like stack overflow and like reading the uh, API documentation but so like the classes like force you they, they, they teach you like the theory and then they force you to like do it out in code and then they, they have like a, these set of tests that you can basically the unit tests they have these set of tests to see how well you did compared to like how well they expect you, you to do and you get like a grade on that but the thing about the real world is they don't have these set of tests to see how well your code is you have to write them yourself or you just go blind and not write them right so <laughs> school like kind of at least in like the programming side it shows you what can be done it asks you can you do it and then it tells you yes or no the real world uh asks you can you do it and it doesn't tell you yes or no Um, and it, it, actually, it kind of varies by school because I don't know how Northeastern teaches CS, uh, but the way UMass teaches it is that first year, first semester, you actually learn, um, the library, the Java API library and stuff like that from the documentations. Um, so when you open up your lead co uh, code or your, just your coding exam, at least one of those questions will probably involve around you thinking about which, uh, type of data you want to put yourself into and how to use it um primitive data types and all that stuff and um so you'll have to think about that and then you also you'll have to write out code of course um you'll have to write out comments for best practices and then write out java uh not java test but any t sort of unit tests um just so you get that 100 percent um and you're doing tests um because 
it, it depends on company, but certain ones check for how you think, other ones check for how well you code. Um, and you know you have to you have to kind of use you kind of have to use your intuition on that part. Um, and you know it not unless you're in person coding, nothing prevents you from doing a quick Google search on what's possible on what the problem is presented to you, and then you kind of figure out what what you need to do to help fix up um, what the actual problem is telling you to do. Um, it's pretty like problem solving and researching. Yeah. I'd say like school is like, here's a fire truck. Here's three ways to build a fire truck. Can you build a fire truck by next Friday? And then compare like your fire truck to like the model fire truck. Oh, you get a 90. Oh, you get a hundred. But the real world is build me a police car. Now that you know how to build a fire truck. Like, yeah, that, that's, that's my analogy. I'd say. That's a very particular analogy, but okay. <laughs> Um, I, I think it's very different. I think it's very different from your school and my school because I think that they try to teach us very early on about like how, how the real world works because we have co-ops. So like it's, yeah. it, they have to prepare us for that or else like we, we can't, we, we won't land a co-op at all. Um, so <laughs> That's one thing, um, but no, I still think that there are there's like a the one thing I think I see at schools, um, and no matter where you, no matter where you go, is that there's always such a drastic big gap in like people who have CS experience and people who don't. People just come in blindly being like, oh, I I think I like computers, and then they they start going down that rabbit hole and realize like, oh, these classes are trying to weed me out. <laughs> And so, uh, so they end up being the ones who have to really, you know, practice a lot of the, uh, practice a lot on lead code and whatnot. But they also the ones who are learning these design principles at schools, and they are usually like more so than not the right way or the right approach to designing code. Um, versus when people who come into CS already and they. They already know like how to program like five hundred different languages. They might not have the best like design practice, or they they have their own way of thinking, which is not necessarily the best way, but it's a way, you know. And some companies might not look for that. So then, I guess there's always like some ups and downs for people at the very extremes on the spectrum. But where would you put yourself on the spectrum of? If, if there were if there was one so prior to college I had only done programming on uh, like app inventor I know you know what it is because we took a class <laughs> together and also scratch and like Excel like programming in that sense writing formulas dragging and dropping and if you know statements so like coming to college I did learn Java uh, for the first time like I think because they gave a lot of starter code, it was okay. But then the next semester for me, like taking that to the next step, like building data structures was really challenging for me. Didn't do too well in that class. But then as I like learned different languages, I, and like coded more, I was able to pick it up rel not like too quickly, but like quickly enough. Like, 
So I'm probably like a slightly a, above average in like coding or like my coding classes. Um, I, I I can't say like grade wise like my 200 levels were like B's, but like my 400 levels have or 400 300 levels have all been like A's. So like I was able to like learn, but I know a lot of people who haven't been able to. And even at UMass, so we had this thing called like exploratory track. So like the people <laughs> who couldn't get into the major right out of college. I think from my year, I only know one person who like made it or one or two people who made it out of that track. And yeah, it is kind of sad because it does feel like college is trying to weed you out than teach you or like some professors. There's like a whole different, whole bunch of different reasons. Like some people don't have a coding mindset. Some people just don't want to put in the effort. But also on the other end, like some people don't go well with certain professors. Like some people have like a preferred teaching style and like they can't understand if it's outside of that teaching style. Um, so yeah, there are a bunch of different reasons. Does that answer your question? Um, no, it does. I mean, like this. Okay. I mean, I I would just I was just asking you in general because like it just popped up in my head, um, and it's because I think though, I I like I know of your CS background because I know we took the same class, um, in high school, but I would, but I wanted to know like what if you did. What else did you do outside of you know school, um, at home before before going entering into college? If you did anything, you know, because I think, uh, I know that like some people who do enter CS are very worried that because they don't know any programming languages that they feel like oh I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be like switching my major really soon. Like they they don't feel confident enough. But I don't know. I think the school um always says like oh. Like, everybody's always on the same playing field, and that's why we don't learn Java, and that's why we learn Racket, and no one is allowed to uh, to skip that class, yeah, because they say that our AP, like, scores don't matter, and they only use, they only, so that, the AP scores only transfer um, as electives, and we're not allowed to, uh, like, take that class, um, we're not allowed to skip that class, and we need to take it. I think we have to take like three foundational classes and I think we have like, two tries. So you have like two tries to get a C plus and if you don't, then you're like kicked out of the that college, essentially. Um, I don't know how UMass does it, but I think it's an interesting way. Basically you're saying, here's this programming language that we know that you probably like nine out of ten people have never used. <laughs> so learn it our way if you can't then you can't get in. Um, UMass, so we we do uh, Java for the 100 levels, and then for the 200 levels, there's a C class. There's a class that rotates the programming languages, but in the last few years has been JavaScript. And then there's two classes that are more math-based, like the probability and the discrete math side. Then the 300 levels, um, it's honestly up to you. And there's one called like operating systems. I haven't personally taken it, and that's like taught in C. Uh, there's one that Henry and I took called digital forensics, and it's like looking at like hard drives and stuff. That one was in Python. I took web design, which 
currently is primarily in JavaScript. Uh, same for like the 400 levels. Uh, it's basically like the three big ones, Python, C, and, or I guess four, Python, C, Java, and JavaScript. It really depends on what your professor wants to do. I um, think, oh, go ahead. And just for context at UMass, our 100 level course is kind of considered how many, what year level you're in. So like a freshman is 100, 200 is sophomore, and so on. And the 500 like graduate and senior level stuff. Uh, I, think, I think also one thing that Vanessa asked was like experience outside of classes. And I know Yanis definitely did that because he, uh, he did, he programmed his own website. I did not, I was too lazy for that. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I pretty much, you know, if people are like, I'm afraid of going into CS because I've never programmed and stuff, I'm probably the best, not the best example, but one of the examples out there where um, all three of us took CSP, uh, the principal course in AP that was released in 2017. And we were taught block coding, which doesn't help at all, but um, it kind of, that course kind of gave like the aspects of what computer is in case you don't know what it is. And then, um, the best college advice I'll say is office hours and finding a friend group. Um, because I know UMass understands this, where you have office hours from the TA, from the instructor alone at the freshman, sophomore level courses, as well as they have something called SI, supplemental instruction, where this student, one of the fellow students would come to class, learn the material again, and then, um, reteaches it or does like a little office hour at the library once or twice a week and then does the uh, exam reviews as well. And you can just show up and ask questions. Um, and I'm the type who will learn by example. Example as in like you show me an example, like visually learning. So you show me example, you walk me through it and then I will probably spit it right back at, out at you. Thus, I understand it. Um, so Finding a friend group and going to those sessions really helped me um, progress through CS career. Now, am I the person who is advanced in CS to a point where I can probably go into Google and be like, hey, this is a new programming language that y'all know, I'll read it and I'll understand uh, I'll read it and understand it, probably not. But will it get me to a point where I can read a code and understand what's it about and then edit it if it needs work? Yes, but you know. Yeah, so I would say, like, it really depends on how self-motivated you are and how much you like learning. So, like, I love learning, and I love, like, like sharing things that I've learned with others. So, like, as Henry said, I did build my own website. Uh, that was, like, a painful process, but, like... Uh, so, for context, that was, like, after my... After freshman year, college? No, after my sophomore year. But it was, like, before I really took like web programming and before I like learned the language uh, JavaScript and I guess HTML is like really simple but like I hadn't looked at it before so like uh, two pieces of advice would be like work on your own projects and to like make friends in your classes that has like really helped me and like I just really enjoy like learning things and like putting things together um, and the way that that manifested was through my website and like just from the programming side to like setting it up from to, to AWS 
And then also like the friend groups are really important or yeah, friend groups and study groups are really important because never take a class alone. Uh, you don't know what you're going to get into and it's always just best to have some like friends to be there both academically and like emotionally to support you. Uh, I like how you <laughs> gave that piece of advice because um, I basically go into classes alone, but I end up doing fine. Like I never, I don't, I don't think I've ever done poorly so far. So, um, I mean, knock on wood, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you are motivated to learn. Yeah, right? I, I mean, so th- I, that- I do like learning. Um, maybe yeah. not as much as you like learning, but I, I do like it to some extent. <laughs> So uh, that's why I don't feel as, uh, I don't know, stressed as someone maybe who like really needs some, someone else to help them and be there for them. Because, I mean, I would just go to office hours and I, I don't mind that. Um, but I guess we're going to we're like nearing towards the end of the episode. And before like we end it, uh, something that I wanted to talk about was just general life at UMass because we keep talking about it. But we only talk about the CS aspect of it. And that's a very, very small portion of uh, what that college makes up. So what do you do at the school um, extracurricular-wise? And just, like, what has your life been, like, there for four years? And, yeah. Two and a half. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Almost four years, if you... Um, I I can share. Um basically the two things i guess three things that i really do so i am a cs major i'm also an econ major so i take the cs and econ classes i'm also a uca an undergraduate course assistant or like a ta for one of the cs classes uh i actually had a similar position for a different class uh last year and this year is more like zoom and just grading but last year was like more hands-on uh, it was a class for our juniors uh another important thing is this organization um so i am a christian and like a lot of my time is spent in with this organization called epic movement and it's actually like a nationwide uh movement or like a yeah like an organization and the way for people to like understand it is you guys know like there's a church like there's a building there's people that like go to a service um so like what epic is is a parachurch so it's like outside of a church uh so i am pretty involved with that this year i am the president at umass so that has like a bunch of different responsibilities from like leading our planning meetings like leading our events and then also since we are like a national organization just uh, like communicating with other students across the country um that was really interesting because last year i was able or i guess beginning of end of last year beginning of this year we had a epic national conference in houston texas and i just i uh, was able to go with i think like 10 people from umass we just met like a bunch of different people because within the asian christian community is like relatively small at least in the united states right so just like finding people of a similar background with us like all across the country and then like connecting communicating with them and still communicating with them was like really nice and has been like a really 
important part of my college. Um, so for me, I, I kind of forgot what the question was. Um, so similar to Yanis, where he is, a, your, Yanis is a dual degree, by the way, if you didn't know that. Um, so for me, it's CS and um, math as well. Um, in the past four years, I haven't really done much. Um, so extracurricular-wise, I kind of started off uh, with ASA as a member of ASA, which is Asian American Student Association. Um, I assume most colleges have some sort of Asian American Association club out there. Um, I'm also uh, used to be a member of TCSA, which is Ch Taiwanese Chinese Student Association. Um, those are the two main groups of Asian associations for Chinese people. So I've been associated with those. Um, I've participated in hackathons this freshman year. Um, and yeah, and then um, also this, this year for Yanis and I, we're doing thesis. So staying busy, um, not, you know, a leader of any organization or not. Um, so don't have much to share out there besides the fact that UMass used to be called a Zoomass. So of course, partying is something big. Yanis is not a partier, but um, I try to socialize and go to party once a semester. Wait, have you, you know, gone to a party before, Yanis? Me, no. <laughs> what? Uh, so yeah, so for me, I, I limit my party to one frat, uh, sorry, one frat party a semester, but otherwise, to keep my sanity, I visit friends and socialize on the weekends. Yeah. Cool. Okay. That's us. Um, I guess... Oh, one thing that... Uh... I mean, there's not, like, so much to talk about this, but the most, like, known thing about um, UMass is their food. <laughs> and Number one dieting. Four well, years. Five years. Five years, I think. Yeah, five years. I I'm not sure about... Is it still number one dining? I don't, don't really know. So, I can tell you that the food is good, but they have a monopoly over it. So, unlike Northeastern, no outside dining services are allowed. And the way that they get to number one dining is that they have students fill out surveys. <laughs> so, oh. and review is a thing. Um, so, one of my f friends, uh, he's the advisor for Epic, and he grad he's an alum. He graduated in 2014 from UMass, and he's, like, working on campus as, like, a graphic designer. So, like, I, like, know a bunch of, like, secrets from him. But he was there, like, before UMass was number one dining, and he says, like, the food was even better then. Like, I would say, like, UMass food is pretty good, and it has a wide variety of options. And I think that's, like, one of the reasons why it's so good. There's, like, there's actually, like, a lot of different options, but I kind of guess it depends on, like, how picky you are and, like, how stand like how high your standards are. Like, it's not Michelin star food, but it's really good food for state school. It's really good food for cafeteria food. And you have a really big number of options like you you've been to ham yeah um like there's asian food there's american food there's like indian food there's latino food like to have all those options in all the dining commons um like every single day and to have different menu options that's like what's really good about it yeah um a lot of what yana said but i'm a picky eater actually <laughs> so um you know, I'll say UMass is pretty good out there. I just want to see more variety in terms of Asian cuisines because um, 
let's just say there's like maybe 10 to 20 plates out there that are Asian food and it just keeps rotating back and forth and I've been sick of it. <laughs> um, so, you know, um, I usually go to Blue Wall, which is a, it's still owned by UMass, but it's like retail food instead of like a dining common food um, where I'll just kind of rotate around the food that I get from there. But that gets boring as well. So I rotate back and forth. Um, but I was looking forward to that Worcester reopening that's happening sometime this school year. Um, Worcester is our, I want to say the oldest since as of last year, the dining common, and they rebuilt the building. So I'm looking forward to what food they have to serve before I leave, if I ever go back. <laughs> well, I definitely will go back to visit and experience the dining because I have, um, I will hopefully still have connections, at, like even like two years from now. Um, but I don't know, like, how long it'll be until we get to, like, try the food. Well, I mean, Northeastern has already released that for the spring semester, we're still going to be doing the hybrid uh, model. So we're, I'm basically still going to be home, essentially. But I mean, it's only my second year, so it's not as bad. I still have two more years left, and hopefully, hopefully by then. At least one of them. Yeah, at least one of them, like... COVID should be, like, over by then. Or not, like, I think officially over, but it should be better. I think That's definitely by your senior year, but it's questionable, like, what part of your junior year. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think that wraps up because we definitely went over the one-hour mark. But that's <laughs> We're okay. an hour and 20 minutes. <laughs> but that's okay. Um... And now for a quick outro to end today's episode. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you learned something new today. I certainly did. I think my friends did such an amazing job at talking about their experiences and sharing some advice to CS majors and anyone who's pursuing a career in the tech field. Uh, Thank you for that. And I will see you guys in the next episode. So stay safe and healthy. And yeah, bye.